Hello, and welcome back to... Yeah, that can't be good! A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka, the longest-running original series on the Sci-Fi Channel to date. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can do that on our website, EurekaRewatch.com, on our Facebook page, Facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch, or on Twitter, at Eureka Rewatch. Let's get going! Here's Doug with the Voodoo Synopsis. Season 1, Episode 3, Before I Forget. Sheriff Carter accidentally shoots Eureka's mechanical whiz, Henry Deacon, but can't remember how or why. A visiting scientist, who happens to be an old friend of Henry's, may hold a vital clue. Written by Andrew Cosby and Jamie Paglia. Teleplay by John Rogers and story by Carrie Schaefer. Directed by Michael Robinson. Original air date, August 1st, 2006. Thanks, Doug. Hi, this is Vicki, and we're back with Season 1, Episode 3, Before I Forget. Due to scheduling difficulties, I'm by myself for this episode. I'm not normally fond of doing this by myself, because it's hard to have a conversation with yourself. I mean, I've done it in my car, but it's not for anybody else's ears. So this is what we're going to call a condensed version of a podcast. I did try to get my son, DC, to participate because I do want him to do the Christmas episodes and I thought maybe this would be practice for him. He tried and he'll need a little more practice, but he did a great job. So let's just start with the episode. This episode is one of my favorites. Even though it's early on in the show, it it still is one of my favorites. It's a Henry episode. Henry has always been my favorite character all the way through the series. And I like when there's a Henry episode. The... uh, episode starts with Carter, Joe, and Henry going to Cafe Diem, looking like they're trying to apprehend a suspect. They're hiding outside the door, ready to go in, guns drawn. So not only is Henry a scientist, a mechanic, and working for Global Dynamics and officiator at funerals, he also seems to work with law enforcement, although I didn't see a gun. They get inside and they confront a man sitting at the table. We don't know who this man is, and we don't know why they're confronting him. There's a wave of light, and we hear Joe yelling, Carter! What did you do? Uh, Why did you shoot Henry? I, I don't remember. I don't remember anything. Carter doesn't seem to know why he shot Henry. Joe doesn't seem to know why he shot Henry, and Henry doesn't seem to know why he shot Henry, but the man is gone. Then the next scene, Carter's out on the street with Allison. It was confusing. It was, wasn't it? Good. Having a pretty funny conversation about him not being able to access his own personnel files. I went back to check some of my own personal files, and they've been classified. I mean, they're my files. It's not my fault that there are things about yourself that you're just not clear to know. Yeah, I'd hate to stumble across something that if I told me, I'd have to kill me, right? What's next? They're going to classify the contents of my fridge, my uh, underwear drawer? You think agents of the foreign government would be after your underwear? Maybe. I can pretty up when I want to. The B-plot of this episode is Zoe's school play. Zoe's in a school play. It's supposed to be A Midsummer Night's Dream, which has been adapted by this kid who's a senior in high school, but he's 12 years old. 
named Putnam. Um, the joke there is that Sarah keeps announcing that somebody's at the door and they keep looking at the screen and there's nobody there because Putnam is 12 years old and he doesn't reach the viewer. Open the door! Why won't they open the door? Because he was a boy, he was little small. Yeah. You could see him. You couldn't see him, huh? Yeah. Carter meets Putnam. Carter and Zoe seem to be bonding, although there's still there's still friction between them. Zoe talks about how Carter missed all of her school plays when she was younger. We're hoping her bringing all this up is foreshadowing him being a different kind of father now that he's in Eureka, and they're there together. When Carter and Allison are walking earlier in the episode, talking about his classified files, they do go into Cafe Diem, and they meet up with Henry who's sitting there with two of his friends, Kim, who will become a reoccurring character, and her husband, Jason, who turns around and this is the man that we saw in the teaser that they were trying to apprehend. Later on, when Carter wants to do something nice for Zoe and picks up her costume for the play from Vincent. DC, what does that costume look like? Purple dinosaur, like Barney. It does a little bit, huh? Yeah. It's supposed to be Shakespeare, but... Why do they have a purple dinosaur? It's Barney. Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Also notices that Jason just decided to park his car in front of two police cars. So Carter immediately doesn't like him. And most of the viewers, I have to imagine, immediately don't like him either. Later on in the episode, not that much later, Carter is driving and stops somebody speeding who happens to be Jason, with Beverly Barlow in the car. So we don't know what's going on there, but Beverly, in my book, is is always up to something, it seems. She always seems to have her hand in where something evil's going on. And we see a flash of light, and Jason's car is gone, Beverly's gone. Carter had called Joe for backup. Joe arrives. There's no cars. He doesn't know why he called her. And Joe obviously thinks he's lost his mind a bit. Although later, I think their relationship has grown a little bit so that Joe is a little more trusting of him. She does have an open mind about what he's telling her happened, and they do look at his his ticket book to see that he started writing a ticket. Although the page is gone, the, the indentation is still there. At the same time, Henry runs in and asks if there were any reports of people losing time because Henry was trying to help Jason and Kim with their project and Jason left obviously to go ride with Beverly although Kim and Henry don't know that but Kim and Henry must have solved the equation they don't actually show them solving it but they do show Henry picking up an empty coffee pot to make more coffee and then when Jason comes in and solves it after just looking at the board for a minute the coffee pot's full so Henry starts to realize something's going on 
He doesn't know what. And Kim always looked like she knew something was going on. She just didn't know what. Henry realizes that he is the one who invented this machine, although he could never get it to work. But now he's realizing that he probably did get it to work, and Jason just made him forget. Now we're back to the teaser, where they go to Cafe Diem to confront Jason. Jason takes out his machine. I think this is the first time we actually see it. I'm not sure we've ever seen it. I think we just see the flashing light in all the other scenes. or The screen goes kind of black and white in all the other scenes. This is the first time we actually see him take it out and use it. He uses it, and it turns out Carter did shoot Henry, but it was because Jason and him were struggling and his gun went off. Carter doesn't know why he shot Henry. Joe doesn't know why he shot Henry. None of the witnesses remember anything that happened, and Jason is gone, but nobody remembers him being there. The good thing about Henry, again, is that I think Carter's relationship with Henry, I love this relationship, and so will you once you get into the series farther. Henry doesn't blame Carter. He immediately knows that something's gone wrong, although they don't remember. They don't remember everything they figured out in Carter's office before they went to Cafe Doom. They remember nothing about any of it, but they know something's going on. And because Carter shot Henry, he lost his badge and his gun until the investigation is complete. In the meantime, he confronts Jason outside of GD in front of Allison and Stark and a few other people, ranting about this memory-wiping, invisibling <laughs> machine. I figured it all out. I know what you're up to. In regards to, I believe you have a device that can create a wormhole or uh, bend time or make you invisible. Like, oh, a wormholing, time-bending, invisibling device that shields you from the mind. No. Nathan Stark doesn't have much to do in this episode, but he can just say a line, and he says it so sarcastically that um, I always just love this character. Yes, he said invisibly. Later on, Carter and Henry go to Allison and try to explain what they know is going on. And they have to prove it by showing Allison all of Jason's past inventions projects. Usually the way it went was whoever, it could be Kim, it could have been anybody, was struggling and they, Jason would come in at the last minute and save the day. So Allison begins to believe that he is erasing people's memories. While they're figuring it out, Kim has already figured it out and she has found the device. She's already confronted Jason. There seem to be an awful lot of things around here lately that require an explanation. What did you do? Come in here, bring in some coffee, see that Henry and I already solved the problem. Erase the board, erase us, and stroll back in here like it was the first time. Looking for this? Kim not only uses the machine on Jason to make him forget that she confronted him, but she also finds Carter, Allison, and Henry discussing their findings, and she uses the machine on them as well to make them forget what they have discovered. Except that we find out that Joe had a um, camera planted on Carter so she could watch back from the office, so all the information's there. But now they just have to stop test of the project, the suit, because Jason has decided that he was going to be the test dummy. You know, we get the impression that Kim has put that idea in his head when she made him forget that she found his machine. Carter and Henry rush to stop the test of the military suit because there is some concern that Kim talked Jason into being the test dummy because she wanted revenge. As we know in the original test, it did deflect bullets, but it did not deflect the fire. So we don't know if that's actually been corrected. Carter gets them to stop the test and tries to explain 
what's going on. Nathan doesn't even really have to watch the tape to realize what's happening. And he does listen to Carter, which is is funny because a lot of times he makes a big deal about not listening to Carter and rolling his eyes at Carter. But he does without really even watching the whole tape. He does pay attention and he does kick Jason out of the facility. And of course we find out that Kim never had any intention of killing Jason, but she was hoping he'd get banged up a bit. I can't say that I blame her. Now that it's pretty apparent to everyone that Kim was the brains behind some, if not all, of Jason's inventions, she is offered a job at Global Dynamics, which means she can live in Eureka and be close to Henry, which is a happy ending for them. The episode ends with the play, which is, like I said, was supposed to be Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, but it was changed to A Midsummer Night's Invasion. The play is funny. (laughs) 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 Jack made an effort to go backstage and make sure that Zoe knew he was there. He brought her flowers. Like I said in the earlier conversation that I think that this is just foreshadowing how much better their relationship is going to be now that they're in Eureka. So pretty much that's it for this episode. We hope you'll come back next time for our regular hosts or co-hosts. And we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Please join us next time for season one, episode four, in Lay and Atey. A. Atey. Lee, Lee, in, in a, a- tid. alienated. Yeah. Goodbye. Okay. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you.